Welcome to Strangeland, everybody. It is I, your host, Dr. Dark. First off, I'd like to make mention of something. Previously, I was utilizing a service called buymeacoffee.com as a way for listeners to support the show. Effective immediately, I have dumped buymeacoffee.com and am utilizing Patreon. Most people are familiar with Patreon. So if you would like to support the show, the Patreon link will be in the episode show notes going forward. Any support is greatly, greatly appreciated. This week, we are going to be discussing the Anunnaki. Who are the Anunnaki? Some of you must be asking. It's a great question. It's something we're going to get into because it's a very, very interesting and compelling theory. It does dive into a lot of biblical, you know, religious views and beliefs. So without further ado, let's get into this. The Anunnaki. So back in the mid-1800s, British archaeologists were digging, you know, excavating in the area, which is, you know, now modern-day Iraq or the Persian Gulf. And what they found was an ancient city that is referred to as Nineveh. And as they continued to work and dig, they unearthed what, is, what they've called the Great Library of Ashurbanipal. And within this library, were upwards of 22,000 baked clay tablets that, from all accounts, were almost perfectly preserved. On these tablets were, you know, writings, drawings, and this language is known as cuneiform. So, Nineveh is an ancient Assyrian city that back in the day, you know, approximately 4000 BC, it was in Upper Mesopotamia. And Mesopotamia, if you look at it, is almost like an umbrella term. Okay, not a term. It's an umbrella area. And within this area, there were multiple civilizations, uh, the Sumerians, the Babylonians. And around 3500 to 3000 BC, the Sumerians were noted to have developed this writing form, cuneiform. And they, this is how they documented their history on these soft clay tablets. Now, during the discovery over the centuries, the writings of these civilizations were interpreted and found that the Sumerian people had a deep fascination with the heavens, with astronomy, with math, agriculture even. And they are thought to be the first known people to divide both space and time by units of six. So modern division of the year into 12 months, the day into 24 hours, the you know minutes and seconds, 60-60, the divisions of circles and spheres by 360 degrees. And in addition to that, they greatly believed in the thought of the Pleiades. The Pleiades translates into the seven sisters or nymphs. And what this was, uh, it was a series of stars in the sky. 
uh, I don't know if you could call it a constellation per se, but it was a, you know, it, it was the stars, it was the heavens. And they used the Pleiades as their way to mark the beginning and the end of the agricultural year. So some of you may be naturally sitting here wondering, okay, well, where did the Sumerians develop these ideas? And this is where the whole theory of the Anunnaki begins to get a little convoluted. And even though there's some gray area where there's some overlap, the theory essentially starts branching off. And part of that is because a lot of the Sumerian texts, the documentation, their writings, isn't completely crystal clear. It doesn't mean that it's not real. Again, these are very, very real tablets that were found with very, very real writings. It's just, again, it's ancient. It's 4,000 BC, well, 3,000 BC. So again, it gets, it's not super clear. So let's go, let's start first with the theory that the Anunnaki were gods. Okay, whether they were gods in the Christian Bible sense, or whether they were, you know, Sumerian gods. So in the Sumerian sense, their name is derived from the god of the sky, Anu. And in this, they were deemed, you know, the watchers. They were, you know, they oversaw, they kind of watched over those early, you know, civilizations. And there's even some discrepancies as to, you know, how many of the Anunnaki were there. Well, the most consistent number that I've seen is that there were around eight of them. And four of them were like the primary beings. And those were Anu, Enlil, Ninhursag, and Enki. Enlil and Enki were the offspring of Anu, and they were half-brothers. And in this part of the theory, Enki ended up creating seven demigods who were called the Apkalu, and they were the ones that were actually sent down to earth to teach the Sumerians of astrology, math, agriculture, etc. Now, the Christian Bible sense, if you're a God-fearing Christian, you can't really denounce all of this. Because again, there are references to them in the book of Genesis. And so, yeah, even though there's some of you that, uh, if, you're, if you're Christians listening, I don't want to be presumptuous, but if you're Christians listening and you know, you're a God-fearing Christian and you believe in the Bible, I know that there's many of you that want to pretend like the Old Testament doesn't exist. Because God in the Old Testament was kind of a dick. He wasn't like the God of the New Testament, you know, the, uh, the buddy Christ from that movie Dogma with Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. If you haven't seen it, it's funny as shit. But anyways, that's the, that's the uh, Trinity, the Holy Trinity, you know, Jesus Christ, God, the Holy Spirit. That's the one that many Christians want to believe in, not the asshole God of the Old Testament. So... I know we like to pick and choose, and you're entitled to that. Everybody's entitled to, you know, have your set of beliefs. But 
You can't just immediately say, no, that's complete and utter nonsense. But I digress. So to continue on with the whole portion of the theory that deals with these beings as Sumerian gods, this is where there's even some more overlap with the space alien theory. So in this, the Anunnaki came from a planet called Nibiru. And Nibiru was considered an unstable planet, a massive planet. To give you some context, Nibiru is roughly five times the size of Jupiter, 6,500 times the size of Earth. So that should give you some context as to how big this planet is considered. And Nibiru revolves into, the, into our solar system every 3,600 years. So again, this, the planet was unstable. And in order to continue to habitat the planet and to stabilize it, the Anunnaki needed to mine certain minerals. And the primary one that they needed to mine was gold. And so they set out for a planet where that could be mined. Earth. Now you could say that they had ulterior motives. Because in the need to mine for you know, the gold here, they had slaves. A race of people, a race of entities called the Ijiji. And the Ijiji basically got fed up with their shit and they revolted against them and they were destroyed. So the Anunnaki needed to, in essence, have more. Or they needed to create more beings to mine for them. And so what they did is they set out to mate with human women and the Nephilim were formed. If you know the Bible even a little bit, you know that there are multiple books of the Bible. You know, the book of John, book of Peter, book of Paul, book of Ringo, whatever. But there is also the book of Enoch. Enoch was Noah. So Noah from the great flood, Noah's Ark. Enoch was his great grandfather. And Enoch's writings, they've been scrubbed from the Bible. Again, like let's pretend this doesn't exist because it doesn't fall in line. It completely contradicts a lot of the ideas of the Christian God. But Enoch mentions this. Enoch brings up that, you know, according to him, the Anunnaki are the fallen, you know, fallen angels of God. And their creation of the Nephilim, the Nephilim were giants. And when I say giants, they weren't just like, you know, big people. They were considered like massive beings. And there is a precedent for this in the Bible. Sure, you may be thinking of the, you know, the primary one, Goliath. David and Goliath. Goliath was massive. And it's not just the Bible that speaks of this. It's not just these, you know, the Sumerian, you know, theories that speaks of the 
Nephilim being these giant beings. The mythos of ancient Greece, you know, as well as, you know, Norse mythology, Hindu mythology, or texts, they mention giant beings. And all of this was going down before the great flood in the story of Noah. Now, there is mention of a great flood happening in Sumerian culture as well. So there's that overlap again. So moving forward, there is also mention that on the tablets that have been found within the writings, that the Anunnaki were so advanced that they were able to alter our genetics, you know, when they were mating with humans. And that our DNA has a hidden code in our genome that has a very, very precise mathematical pattern that is in a strange language. And it's repeated nine times in our DNA. Now, the scientists who have you know, found this and researched it further, they refer to this as ghost DNA because they can't really fully explain it. Again, because it's a very strange mathematical pattern in a strange language that we don't quite understand. And the odds of this, the odds of this sequence appearing nine times is estimated at one in 10 trillion. So when you hear people that, you know, hypothesize on these things that are very conspiratorial in nature discussing these things, this is where they start to pull in some proof. Now, we all understand, you know, before the internet, we didn't really have access to a lot of this information. Whether it, you know, just wasn't, we didn't have the technology to research these types of things back then, or it's the internet and now, you know, anybody can put out anything. But if you look at reputable sources, there are, again, reputable scientists who have researched this and have proven this. That's, that's completely batshit insane. And this kind of helps support the whole space alien theory, in my opinion. So I'm going to, I'm going to take a hard left here. We're still going to be on this topic, but I'm going to take a hard left to you know, go into uh, a story, a theory that helps support all of this. Now, everybody should be familiar with Saddam Hussein. You know, Saddam Hussein being the tyrant, the dictator, if you will, of over in Iraq. Now, he believed he was the reincarnation of someone, and that someone is Nebuchadnezzar II. So, going back to ancient Mesopotamia, Nebuchadnezzar was a Babylonian warrior king, and he rebuilt Babylon. He rebuilt it, and he actually expanded the Babylonian empire. And Nebuchadnezzar's ultimate accomplishment was the opening of what he called, what they referred to as the fiery furnace. He had, you know, he had gone to Jerusalem and he had looted and, you know, leveled and, you know, pillaged the Temple of Solomon. And in doing this, he brought back to Babylon three wise men. Now, these aren't the three wise men from the whole 
you know, bringing gifts to Mary when she gave birth to Jesus. This, this is different. But again, there were three of them, and they were considered wise men. And he brought them back to Babylon with him. And he was so enraged at them because they wouldn't worship him, essentially, that he cast them into this fiery furnace. But when he did so, the flames didn't harm them. They didn't kill them at all. It actually had a, a, an opposite effect of sorts. It killed the soldiers of Nebuchadnezzar who cast them into it. Now he became further incensed, but also awestruck that when he saw the, you know, the wise men get cast in there, but his soldiers die, and the wise men you know, standing within these flames unscathed, he became awestruck as well that there was a fourth being with them. And they exited the furnace completely unharmed. And this being was reportedly extraterrestrial in nature. So Saddam, believing he was the reinc- you know, reincarnation of Nebuchadnezzar, he wanted to outdo him. He wanted to you know, go beyond the stories of Nebuchadnezzar rebuilding and expanding the Babylonian Empire. And Saddam knew all of this. And so he actually had Babylon rebuilt. And you can go online and you can look at um, YouTube. You can go to YouTube. You can look for, you know, just normal images. It's stunning what Saddam had rebuilt. And as far as like, you know, recreating Babylon. Unbelievable. So going forward with the Saddam part of the story here. It is reported that Saddam actually became aware of a Stargate. If you don't know what a Stargate is, it is considered, it's basically a portal. Okay. And Saddam found a Stargate when he was recreating Babylon. And the Stargate was housed in the Great Ziggurat of Ur. And his intentions, he planned on using this to rule the world. Seriously. This isn't just, you know, hypothesized. There is some substance to this. And this, this is where the whole conspiracy theory thing, it really, you know, it amplifies here. This, according to some, is why the Iraq war happened. As the U.S., they were aware of this. They were completely aware of Saddam finding the Stargate and what his intentions were, and that they couldn't let that happen. So what did the U.S. allegedly do? Well, they, came, you know, they told the public, they told you know, the world that Saddam had WMDs, weapons of mass destruction. Well, if you know, know what WMDs were ever found. We invaded Iraq. We killed Saddam Hussein. We found no weapons of mass destruction. And it's theorized that the U.S., when they invaded Iraq, that they took over, you know, once they captured that area and took it over, that they kept it. And they actually expanded the, their footprint in that area 
with a large amount of land adjacent to you know where the great ziggurat of ur and the stargate was found they essentially they they roped it off they sectioned it off so that nobody within the you know the you know the citizens over there you know the public that nobody would would be able to get into that area and see what they were doing and again reportedly the us retrieved the stargate and that stargate is now at cern CERN is the oh the scientific research facility over in Sweden. And many of you may have heard about CERN over the past couple of years, um, or even you know, more so the past 10, 11 years, because CERN is the you know facility group of scientists who prove the existence of the God particle. And they yeah, with their large hadron collider that is this massive structure underneath the earth in Sweden where they slam particles together at you know the speed of light they slam these particles together to see what they can you know create or prove the existence of and they prove the existence of the god particle this is all this this then transcends into another conspiracy theory about you know like the mandela effect and the mandela effect has been you know ramping up over the past couple of years cuz more and more people are seeing things noticing things that they don't ever recall being a certain way that they recall being this way you know, back when they were kids or whatever, but now they're being told that it's this. And then you get on the internet and you try researching, you know, the, the fruit of the loom logo. Yeah. You remember it, you know, being, being one way, like having that cornucopia, but now it doesn't. That's just one example. So people are, you know, very much in tune to these things now. So you could actually say that this theory really could evolve into the whole like new world order type of theory that the US you know in multiple other countries are utilizing CERN under the guise of this being this you know research facility where they're just trying to you know do a bunch of astrophysics type stuff but in reality there's a kind of a deep malicious thing going on there. I don't know. What do you think? Now, this this expands into different areas of the Middle East as well. So if you remember, the Anunnaki reportedly allegedly mining for minerals to help repair the atmosphere and the planet of Nibiru. This is also why some theorize that the great pyramids of Giza and the you know the adjacent pyramids over there are in perfect alignment with our constellations more specifically the belt of orion but they're also in perfect alignment with the cardinal points on earth the cardinal points are you know north south east and west they are in perfect alignment with those points on Earth to one fifteenth of one degree. 
Think about that. And we'll talk about the pyramids in another episode. We'll go further into that. But those structures have been there for millennia. And you hear so many people that are baffled. You hear, you know, scientists, engineers that discuss, you know, they don't even know how the pyramids were built. Occam's razor would say, well, you know, they, they had the manpower back then and they used, you know, fulcrums, levee systems to drag these, you know, stones up. It, sure, right, whatever. When you hear experts talk about it, they're baffled. I remember hearing a couple of engineers, again on Joe Rogan, who were saying they've tried to recreate it, that they cannot recreate those pyramids with the precision that they are, were made, and how they still stand today. It's baffling. I mean, utterly baffling to the mind. So that brings us today. Over the past, I'd, I'd say, few weeks, looking into it further, it seems like it's been over the past few months, there's been more and more reports, videos, of course, people have access to really, really good technology nowadays for CGI. Even normal people like me can, if you want, if you want to pay, you know, for some of these, you know, software programs. And if you have a computer powerful enough to do it, you can, you can do some crazy shit with video manipulation. But there are many, many videos that have popped up, that have been showing another planet that's within our solar system right now, that is almost hiding behind the sun. Some are guessing is Nibiru, aka the 12th planet, aka planet X, as we previously discussed. And if you've been paying attention there's been, you know, some articles, some discussion you know, recently, again, over the past couple of weeks, that the Earth's core is possibly going to stop spinning or that it is stopping and it's going to reverse. So if you remember, if you go back to the theory of the floods happening because of Nibiru's presence and you look at this idea that the Earth's core may be reversing, the gravitational pull of another planet returning back into our solar system could be having that effect. It could be having the effect of reversing our magnetic poles and reversing the spinning of the Earth's core. Another thing that has gone along with this is the return of this extraterrestrial AI that is referred to as the Animus. Well, what else has popped up recently? Chat GPT? Anyone? Just it, it almost came out of nowhere, at least to me. It came out, it almost came out of nowhere. I just heard about it one day. There was no build up to it. I mean, we've been hearing Elon Musk and others, you know, discuss AI and the advances of AI for some time now. But I hadn't heard of Chat GPT which was developed by um, a company called OpenAI. I had not heard of it. 
And all of a sudden, it's just here one day. And people are astounded by it. And now Microsoft Bing, you know, their shitty ass search engine, Bing has been released with an AI of sorts similar to Chat GPT. There's a waiting list for it, but it's been released. So you have this very, very intense and borderline scary AI that has come out and what goes along with the theory of the return of Nibiru is that there's an extraterrestrial AI that is reportedly here as well. Hmm. And again, before you call bullshit, there's not just people on TikTok that have videos. There are some experts who are claiming that Nibiru is here. And again, that it is hiding behind the sun. And some of these videos are stunning. Like all of my episodes, like all of these theories, I don't know exactly where I stand. I'm open to all of this. Anymore, nothing would surprise me. Nothing. I'm an atheist. You know, I was born, baptized, raised Catholic. No longer. But even that, even if they're, you know, even if hard definitive proof came out about that there really is a God, a Christian God. If I saw a hard definitive proof, all right, cool. I'm open to it. I can't completely, you know, discard it. Just can't. Could Nibiru be real? Could the Anunnaki be real? Could they be returning? Could this be why we have so much weird shit going on right now? We have Chinese spy balloon being shot out of the sky, which then subsequently is followed up by multiple UFOs. Not necessarily, you know, the disc flying UFOs, but the, you know, the governments are, you know, calling them UFOs. They're being shot out of the sky. One even over in over China. China reportedly had one that they shot down. What's going I mean, what is going on? It feels like we are on the brink of something. It feels like we are, you know, having these cataclysmic events and that it's building up to something even more massive. You have this shit that has gone down over in Ohio where, you know, with the train wreck and the spillage of the toxic chemicals that have now been, it's proven that these chemicals have seeped into the ground, gotten into the Ohio River and are, you know, it's spreading. I mean, do we have to, how much do we have to be worried by these things continuing to happen? I don't know. Again, I would love to hear what you all think. So hit me up. Hit me up social media. Hit me up on, uh, you know, via email. 
Welcome to Strangeland at Proton.me. Again, considering consider supporting the show. I've got the Patreon account all set up. Any support is greatly appreciated. So let me know. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Love to get some feedback. And while I'm at it, before I close this out, I strongly, strongly encourage you. If you get on YouTube, search for a, um, a YouTube page called The Y Files. W-H-Y, The Y Files. Unbelievable. Such a crazy good channel. So check it out. So until, you know, until next time, people, stay strange. <laughs>